The retirement of Justice Anthony Kennedy from the Supreme Court and the question of who replaces him will determine the course of American history. Learn how you can use your voice to make a difference next. From the nation's capital, this is Use Your Voice with Penny Nance, President and CEO of Concerned Women for America. Here's your host, Penny Nance. Hi, this is Penny Nance. I have the honor and the privilege of being the CEO and President of Concerned Women for America, representing half a million women and some like-minded men across this nation who are passionate about our biblical worldview and our advocacy and education in public policy. Today is the very first broadcast of our new show, Use Your Voice, and Concerned Women for America is so grateful and happy to be part of the WYFL radio family. We're also happy about the opportunity to create a podcast of this show for our members across the nation. By the way, Concerned Women for Americans, the nation's largest public policy organization for women. We're Christian and conservative grassroots, and we focus on seven core issues. That is sanctity of life, defense of family, education, religious liberty, national sovereignty, sexual exploitation, and support for Israel. Everything we do, the education and advocacy that we do on Capitol Hill, the work we do in the media is sustained at the state level by our leaders and our members. By the way, as I said, we have about a half a million members across this country. We have 40 college chapters. We call those Young Women for America chapters, and we have about 400 adult chapters. We have been around for about 40 years. We're a grown-up women's advocacy organization, and we're just so grateful to get to share with you once a month um, in our new broadcast. I'm so glad you're here. CWA is an organization that is built on prayer and action, and we're happy to have you as part of our organization. At this moment, Concerned Women for America is focusing our attention and our energy on the recent Supreme Court vacancy. By the way, all of Washington has been abuzz with the recent retirement of Justice Kennedy. I can't tell you what it was like to be in my office last week and have the phones ringing off the hook with New York Times reporters and USA Today reporters and members of the media all over the country wanting to get our opinion on this issue. And what I'm saying is what I'm saying to you. We are at a tipping point in our nation's history. We are, have an opportunity to confirm a justice to the Supreme Court who is a constitutionalist, who will recognize the founders' intent in the Constitution and the Federalist Papers. It's important for us at this moment to use our voices. We're going to talk in this particular episode about the Supreme Court. But first, I want to toss to CWA's communications coordinator, Annabelle Rutledge. And I think you've got some information to share with us on what's going on with the State Department and CWA's involvement there, Annabelle. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so for the first time ever, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is hosting government officials and non-governmental organizations from all over the world to come to Washington, D.C. and stand in support of international religious freedom. And this is going to be the last week of July. Concerned Women for America is excited about this because we were actually invited to link arms with them and do our own side event. 
The purpose of this event is to bring together like-minded organizations to advocate and fight for religious liberty. So as a part of this important week, CWA is hosting a panel discussion co-sponsored with the Heritage Foundation. The title will be Corruption of Human Rights, How Politics Undermine International Religious Freedom. That is fascinating because, as we know, Christians are treated horribly around the world in Middle Eastern countries like Iran and Saudi Arabia and some African nations, of course but also uh, North Korea. But we're not the only ones, are we? I mean, there's other religions that are oppressed. Yeah, absolutely. And we're seeing that even in within the Middle East. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of religious diversity in the Middle East. It's not just Christians. It's not just Muslims. We have other ethno-religious minorities, and we want to stand with them as well and show our support. Check our website in the following days for the exact time, day, and location of the panel discussion and for instructions on how you can register. Everyone is welcome to come on a first-come, first-served basis based on the size of the room, but you can go to www.concernedwomen.org for more information. All right, this is going to be a great event because I know there's going to be NGOs from all over the world basically in a room together and we're going to get to share with them important information. We'd love to have you all participate. Now, I know on our upcoming podcast, we're going to be talking to CWA's Senior Director for Foreign Affairs, Dr. Shay Garrison, who is very experienced, very bright, and will be working specifically on this issue with the State Department in this event. So I can't wait to talk to her and get some more information. But thank you for that update, Annabelle. That was great. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much to be said about the upcoming Supreme Court battle. I mean, we could do many shows, but we're going to break it down for you in just a few minutes. I'm going to bring on CWA's general counsel, Mario Diaz, who is, by the way, I think the most secure man in Washington because he works in an office full of women. (laughs) And he is a great man, by the way. We'll be back with you in just a moment. Hey ladies, you're smart, passionate, and savvy. You care about your family and you care about our nation. That's why you should join Concerned Women for America. I'm Penny Nance, President and CEO of Concerned Women for America, and I pray you will visit ConcernedWomen.org to learn how you can add your voice to the largest public policy women's organization in the nation. That's ConcernedWomen.org. Welcome back. I am so excited to be joined by Mario Diaz. Mario, there's so much to talk about in this case. I mean, it really, I was saying earlier that Washington is a buzz over this issue. It's been a long time coming. There was a lot of head fakes back and forth, whether or not Justice Kennedy was actually going to retire at the end mm-hmm. of this term. I mean, I really didn't know. There's yeah. people that went away on vacations. And I mean, literally, I've heard from allies around the world that are in Switzerland and in Italy and are coming home because this is such an important issue. This is has generational consequences for our nation. Maybe start by explaining to people what it means to be a constitutional. What is judicial yeah. philosophy and, yeah. and why do we not just talk about an issue but actually talk about the way that a nominee thinks about the Constitution and the rule of law? Well, thank you for having me, Penny. I want to congratulate you on the show and I'm so excited that the people of Philadelphia and the surrounding areas will get a chance to hear your heart. Yes, and by what, the way, we're honored. We love, yeah. I love Philadelphia. Oh. What a great city. I mean, it just stokes the passion and patriotism in my heart to go there and the people are so kind and warm. So yeah, it's, it's a privilege. In terms of judicial philosophy, we have two basic ideas, Penny, of how the Constitution should be treated. One side argues the Constitution is a living, breathing document 
that changes with the times. And now anytime that is brought up, I always ask the person who is promoting this idea, then who gets to decide what those changes in the Constitution are? And of course, the answer is that judges see themselves as the guardians of these changes. They decide when the Constitution is ready for the next change that they see on the horizon. We as conservatives see the Constitution as a document that means what it says and says what it means. So we try to interpret the language in the Constitution by the common way in which words were taken at the time it was written. And the Constitution itself provides a mechanism where it can be amended if any changes are necessary. Those changes should be driven by the people, by we the people, not by unelected judges who serve a lifetime tenure and are not accountable in that sense to the people as the legislature is. That is why we talk about judicial activism when we talk about this liberal philosophy that sees the Constitution as a living, breathing document, because what they are in fact doing by writing new law, by writing changes into the law, is that they are taking upon themselves the role of legislators, which is another branch of government. This is the other crucial issue. What guards our liberties in the Constitution is the structure of government. The Founding Fathers were wise in rejecting the temptation of giving power to a king who would have all the power, instead dividing it in three equal branches of government that are not supposed to infringe on each other's powers and roles. And therefore, we like judges who respect the Constitution for the structure that it sets and understand then that limited role that they are to have as a justice, as a judge, to interpret the law and not to write or rewrite it in order to bring about the changes they think that America needs at any given time. Talk about that a little bit. Talk about what it means to actually be able to put a constitutionalist on the court. Oh, the difference is night and day, Penny. When a judge is bound by the text of the Constitution, when he recognizes his limited role and is willing to show the judicial restraint necessary to hone in the power, the trust that the people have granted him, he has bound himself to law in a way that he guards against his own policy choices. In other words, we never want to advocate for a judge who is a judicial activist for the causes that we like. We don't want a judge to say, for example, as we saw liberal justices just in a recent case willing to do, to force people who are pro-choice to promote the work of pro-life clinics. There's an example where we want a justice to see that this would be a violation of the First Amendment freedom of speech. Governments should not be forcing you to say something that you do not want to say, that is contrary to your convictions. And so in that sense, we're not looking for a judge who will rule the way we want. If he is willing to go outside the law, in order to reach the results that we want. We fully reject that because it is inconsistent 
with the proper role of the judiciary as set by the Constitution. On the other hand, when a judge abides by this living, breathing document and sees him or herself as an agent of change that is to bring about the policy changes that are too difficult for the people to make, then the judge's own convictions are the only limiting agent, and that is how we've had some of the most egregious decisions in our history. Right, and so, you know, you even had Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who is as far to the left as you can get, admit that it was a mistake for the court to take on Roe v. Wade and to overturn all the state laws, because here, 43 years later, we're still fighting about right. it. Her hypothesis was if that had not happened, we would have worked it out amongst ourselves. Now, by the way, Concerned Women for America is unapologetically pro-life. That's we right. believe that we should protect life from conception to natural death, and we will fight for that. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, right, Mario, if you mm-hmm. turn overturn Roe v. Wade, it doesn't immediately make abortion illegal around the country. Right. No, it would go back to the states where state law will once again rule the day as it did in the days prior to Roe v. Wade when the federal government and specifically the Supreme Court took this issue from the hands of the people who were having a rigorous and important debate on the meaning of life and when life begins and all the issues involved in abortion. The court yanked that out from the people and demanded that everybody abide by what they thought the policy should be. And they thought, as you correctly point out, that they were sparing the country of this internal struggle that we were having. But those internal struggles are part of what America is. We're supposed to engage each other and submit our arguments to our fellow citizens and then go into the voting booth and vote for the policies that we believe in. Instead, the Supreme Court in several pivotal instances has nullified the will of the people as expressed through the voting booth and imposed its own view of what America should be, not because it is required by the Constitution or dictated by law, but because it is what a handful of unelected justices at the Supreme Court believe we should do. But I want to be clear, Penny, that this Supreme Court vacancy is not about Roe. I know this is all you hear about in the media, and that is what uh, many in the progressive side want to talk about, but we reject that notion. I think we have been making clear in spending the time to talk about judicial philosophy the fact that we should not be looking for specific outcomes in cases, but we should be looking at justices that are faithful to the Constitution and the laws as enacted. When you go before a justice or a judge, you do not want a judge who has predetermined how he's going to rule in your case. You want a judge who will hear you out and will hear the facts of the case and look at the law as applied to the facts of your case and then make his ruling. This is going to be one of the most challenging things for whoever the nominee is because because of this polarizing, unhealthy, really, climate that we have in the media and in the public square today, they will push him or her to make commitments as to specific cases, but it is a trap. The nominee, whoever he is, should reject that, 
just as uh, Justice Gorsuch did when he was nominated and he was pressed on Roe and in many other cases, the Hobby Lobby case, to make commitments that he will rule one way or another and he refused to do so on the principle that those cases might come before him when he is sitting at the Supreme Court. And this has been done by justices nominated by both Republicans and Democrats. Justice Ginsburg, whom we've already mentioned, did the same thing when she was pushed about specific cases and how she would rule. Remember, we are talking about the highest court in the land. They are the ultimate arbiter of many, many issues that we deal with. Now, we can debate the appropriateness of them having such power, but things being as they are, we should support a nominee taking the approach that Justice Gorsuch took in his confirmation hearing. He was just excellent. He was respectful to all, and he has continued that same attitude as the Supreme Court Justice, showing a great sensitivity to his limited judicial role and deferring to the other branches of government where appropriate. Right. So Justice Gorsuch, which Concern for America, as you know, was intricately involved in and uh, advocated on his behalf that was a great win and he is a a great justice because he has exactly the judicial philosophy that you're talking about and you know we believe that everything follows from that philosophy if you believe in the actual text of the constitution you believe uh, in the rights as they were laid out by our founders by the way rights that they recognize were given by God government can't give and take them away everything else follows all these other rights follow. That's right. It doesn't mean that you will never make a mistake if you have this judicial philosophy, but it means that you're not looking for ways to implement your preferred policy preferences through judicial fiat. And so that's what we like about Justice Neil Gorsuch, and that's what we want from the next Supreme Court justice to replace Anthony Kennedy. The exciting thing this time around and the unprecedented is how transparent President Trump has been on the process of selecting his judges. He has given us this list where we have been able to see the type of justice that he would prefer. And he has talked about how he looked for people in the mold of Justice Antonin Scalia, whom we admired a great deal for his judicial philosophy. And the candidates he has put forth fit that mold of people who want to embrace a constitutional judicial philosophy, you can rest assured that whoever the nominee is will be thoroughly examined by us. We have done a preliminary inquiry into each of the candidates' uh, record, and what we've seen is certainly promising. But once the nominee is named, we will dig much, much deeper and make sure that everything is in order and that we are able to support or not whoever the nominee is. So, Mario, tell us a little bit about the process. How do we get from a presidential nomination to actually having someone confirmed? Well, Penny, the president is scheduled to announce a nominee later tonight. Some say he might do it earlier and we might have a name by the time this airs, but he's scheduled to have his official announcement at 8 p.m. tonight. We will get a name. Once that name is submitted to the Senate, it goes to the Senate Judiciary Committee, where hearings will be held probably in August. 
and then it goes to the full Senate where the nomination is debated and a final vote will be taken probably in September so that the new justice can be ready to go when the court starts again its next term on the first Monday in October. But the first battleground for this nominee will be at the Senate Judiciary Committee, where Senator Chuck Grassley serves as chairman. That's right. And you mentioned Senator Grassley from Iowa has been just a stalwart on this issue. He ran a fantastic process with Neil Gorsuch. I mean, the the committee did a great job. There was no shenanigans. It was a, it was a very great fair. hearing, a very yeah. fair hearing. And it was, it was just fantastic. We were there for all of that. But to that point, the moment that we found out about this opening... We were able to deploy our national field director, Janae Strackey, and really ignite our base in Iowa. Because as you can imagine, the other side is fully engaged on this issue. And Chairman Grassley was having already had scheduled some town hall meetings for the July 4th recess. And the other side was coming out to harass him. So mm-hmm. I'm so pleased to get to bring in Janae Strackey, our national field director. She's on the ground in Iowa calling in to tell us what happened happened today. You just attended the first of two town hall meetings for Senator Grassley. Can you tell us what happened, Janae? Welcome. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, thank you for having me. So I'm here in Webster County, Iowa. Being an Iowan myself, born and raised here, it's great to be back with my people. (laughs) Um, It was honestly a really good meeting. As you said, he is getting hit from the other side. You walk in, you can almost instantly tell who those activists are. And of course, there were Planned Parenthood supporters around me. They've got their t-shirts on and were quick to speak. And and in my opinion, they're just using fear tactics as they start talking about back alley abortions and, you know, all these things while talking out of both sides of their mouth because another woman stood and talked about, you know, the babies that were being killed in the abortion that Planned Parenthood does. And they're like, what? No, we, it's not abortion. It's not abortion. <laughs> but the first thing they talk about are back alley abortions. So I was able to stand and, and of course, honored to represent our CWA members, many of whom I was on the phone with, some who were able to join us at the meeting, and to speak on behalf of them and thank Senator Grassley for giving us an opportunity to let our voices be heard, thank him for his fair process that he gave Justice Gorsuch and to ask him to do the same with the nominee that Trump will be naming soon. And so as soon as I spoke it again, you know, I'm surrounded by Planned Parenthood supporters and you're always a little nervous about who's going to show up to these and what the media will report. But once I spoke, again, the crowd of over 150 people erupted in applause, just (laughs) showing their support for what CWA is doing and the stance that we're taking and the work that Senator Grassley and Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, the work that they're doing to see a fair process. And the majority of people there were in support of that. That's so fantastic. You know, I've found that often in these kind of dog and pony shows that the other side puts on, they even bring people from out of state. You know, it's not necessarily Iowans that were advocating for Planned Parenthood. They may have been some local people, but it's Mm -hmm. all really coming Mm -hmm. from the left. And it's so great to be able to have our Concerned Women for America members represented. And thank you as an Iowa native for being there, Janae, to speak on behalf of uh, CWA of Iowa and to give support to Senator Grassley. Absolutely. It's an honor to do it. You know what I love about this, Penny, is the fact that Janae embodies what you're trying to do with this show, Use Your Voice 
to give women, to empower them with the tools and the arguments they need to make their voices heard, sometimes the majority of women are silenced by a very vocal but minority point of view. And I'm so excited that they get to hear this straight from Janae so that they know they too can make their voices heard. Well, that's right. And, you know, often I feel like as women, we get bullied into silence. And what a tragedy, right? What a tragedy. We live in the freest country in the world. And, you know, we have the ability that women around the world wish they had to advocate and to speak for ourselves. And unfortunately, when we don't speak, other people speak for us and often define us in ways that we don't agree with. And that was actually the very beginning of Concerned Women for America. But we are actually doing so much to combat that. And it was great to hear from Janae Strackey, our National Field Director. And I I should mention that in Iowa, Janae Strackey is joined by Young Women for America's founding president at the University of Iowa. Her name's Amelia Kane. So we have just, again, young, smart women that are on the, the front lines of battle. So that's all the time we have today. And it was so great to be with you. We hope that you'll join us again as we give you the hottest issues of the day and urge you to use your voice. Thanks for listening. Use Your Voice is a ministry of Concerned Women for America, the largest public policy women's organization in the nation. For more information, visit ConcernedWomen.org. That's ConcernedWomen.org.